0: God, I don't know what it is about silence that is so loud in our lives. In the midst of just the numbing buzz of life that we create, we pause right now to get perspective, to shut off the stuff that doesn't matter and to turn up the volume on the stuff that does. God, you know what I've been praying about this week? This is my last shot in this sermon series. At convincing some married couple that has been married for 40 some years and has just decided that this is how life is going to be and that it just stinks, but that's what marriage is, to convince them that it doesn't have to be. God, you know, this is my last, I feel like this is my last chance for a while to convince people who are looking for a spouse, looking for a date, that there is no such thing as the right person to find that that's, that's a myth, that the, the most important thing is that they become the right person and prepare. So, Father, would you prepare all of us in this space, anybody who is connected with marriage, or dating, or relationships, would you give us a deep breath today and a new perspective, and we'll listen. In your son's name, amen. So every Saturday in America, every Saturday in some parts of the world, Somebody is ridiculously nervous. They are they spend about five to average about five to two, to two thousand dollars on a white dress, usually with some sort of veil, which in America I don't understand. It's not part of our culture except for at marriage at wedding. It's like, look how pretty I am, but don't look at my face. I don't understand that. But we do that. We spend all this money on the dress, the guy has to wear a tux, and in most cases, especially in this area, most of his apparel has the sleeves cut off, and it, now his wife-to-be wants him to wear a tux for the usually the first time in his life. So while he's already nervous and uncomfortable, she puts him in a monkey suit that makes him feel even more uncomfortable, and then he, because he's got all these friends that he has developed over his life, he decides, hey, this day that is the scariest day of my life, I want you guys to have to wear monkey suits too, and you guys come up here with me, and you stand up here. And if he's got good enough friends, they agree, and they're all nervous. And this happens every Saturday in America. Now, as the summer comes, it is all over the place. And every Saturday, groups of people, humans, pile into churches wearing their own dresses because they want to be pretty, but they don't want to be too pretty because you don't want to show up the bride. And the man has to sit, get off the lawnmower or get out of the boat and go on sa- sa- Saturday to go to this wedding. And they sit and they listen and they clap and they say, oh, and they hug each other. They give a gift that is more expensive than the things that they own at home. And that all these things happen so that we put on this marriage thing. And here's what happens. Every Saturday, any given Saturday in America, Two people stand in a room and make promises to each other that they will not keep. Well, that was an optimistic way to start the sermon, wasn't it? A couple slides there. Can you advance there, Kelly? Next one. So at any given Sunday, people make promises that they can't keep. They stand on the stage, and they mean well, but they aren't prepared for the promises they're about to keep. Every, and you see it. And the truth is, if, you, if you're old enough and you've, maybe you're on your third marriage, maybe you're on your second marriage, maybe you've been through these awful relationships, and you go to a wedding and you're just like, oh, these kids. She just said that she promised to love, cherish, respect, keep, whatever keep means, until death do them part. That means until they die. And he just promised to treat her differently, to love differently, to care about her before he cares about himself, and in sickness and in health, physically, mentally, all those things, love her like he loves her right now for the rest of their life. If so, say, I do. And there's no hesitation, usually. Every now and then I get a guy who goes, I do. But for the most part, there's no hesitation. And every week, they make a promise that they can't keep. And here's the reason. And here's what I'm hoping to do today. I'm hoping that you see this, this issue in America, and especially in, in this area, and you realize that maybe you made this problem. Maybe you made this promise that you didn't keep or you haven't been able to keep. Maybe you haven't yet, and, and this is what I'm really hoping today. If you're in the room today and you're not married and you're dating or you're out looking or whatever it is, I'm really hoping that I can get to you today because here's the thing. You haven't made this promise yet. You haven't done this yet. And the biggest problem with this promise, this, uh, this vows that we give each other, the biggest promise, the problem is that promises are no substitution for preparation. It, and you know this in other areas of your life. You know this in other areas of life. For instance, if if you've ever done a marathon or if you've ever run a marathon before, you would never start laying on the couch, eating chocolate, and tell your wife, you're 50 pounds overweight, hey, in a month, I promise you I'm going to run a marathon. You never run a day in your life and you say, I promise you I'm going to run a marathon. You wouldn't do that because you know that promises are worthless when it comes to marathons because it's all about preparation. Now the same thing is true in school. Those of you who just graduated high school, there's no sense of going to your mommy and saying, hey mom, I promise I'm going to buy you a house someday with the money that I make and the job that I have. Oh, well, wait a minute, you haven't graduated high school yet, or you just graduated high school. You've got to prepare. You can't make these promises. But the problem is we do this with weddings, with marriages, with relationships all the time. We make promises and we're not prepared. So here's what I'm hoping today. I'm hoping that you hear some of this today. And those of you who haven't, who, who haven't engaged in this promise yet, or maybe you did and you're in between or whatever it is, and you've divorced and now you're you've making this decision again, or some of you are in the midst of marriages who both of you made this promise and you have just hung on and you're not either one of you keeping these kinds of promises, and you weren't prepared and you knew you weren't prepared, you can get prepared from this day forward. That's what this sermon series is about. From this day forward, it can be different. Just because I say I do, doesn't mean I can. Reminds me of Ron White, he's a comedian. Don't tell anybody the preacher told you to listen to him because he's not he's not cleaning them. But I love one of the stories he tells, and he, he he talks about being out in public and having a little bit too much to drink, and 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 he he actually uses this whole story for, with a really good point, and he basically he had he had too much to drink, and the police pull him over, and he said, I had the remo- the right to remain silent, but I did not have the ability. <laughs> And here's the thing, some of us when we get married, some of us when we start dating, some of us when we finally meet that guy who just makes us melt or that girl who just is who we, what we've been looking for, we, we have the passion, we have the energy to make this promise. We have the, the interest in this person and we want this and we may have the want to but we don't have the preparation, we don't have the ability to make this right. So what I would like to do today, obviously, in the min- in the little time I have, I'm not going to give you all the preparation you need today. Any more than when I when I ran my first half marathon, I went to my brother and said, "Hey, get me ready to run a half marathon." And in 30 minutes, I would talk to him about it, and I left feeling like, "Well, I'm not ready." <laughs> well, yeah, that's because this is the beginning. What my brother did when I ran my first half marathon was make me understand that I needed to be ready and make me get excited about training and what I'd like to do for you today if you're dating if you're in a relationship if you're married today even especially I I knew who I'd be seeing today and who'd be listening to this especially if you've been married a long time and you have kind of just got into this rhythm that well that's what he does and that's who he is and this is how I treat him when he tells me this and this is how he treats me when I say this and so we just kind (sighs) of with our marriage I'm hoping that today I I can engage you in a in, in, a, in training, in learning, in changing the way you live your life when it comes to relationships. The truth is, this commitment, this commitment that we make to each other, I remember when I first started doing premarital counseling, which I do very little of now. Um, it's funny, when you get divorced, nobody calls you to do marriage counseling anymore. Um, but, uh, and, and I used to do a lot of premarital counseling, and the word I used all the time was commitment. You need to make commitment to one you need to commit to her. You, what you really want is commit, but the problem is it's re, commitment is not the issue. Because the truth is, commitment is overrated. It really is. In fact, some of you will leave here today with a commitment to do better in your marriage. But by 2 o'clock, you'll be watching NASCAR, you'll be watching something else, and all of a sudden the commitment is gone. Same thing happens with marriage. When most of us get married, when most of us engage in a relationship and a commitment, whatever that means, when most of us get married, we, we were convinced that promises, that our commitments and that our promises would trump preparation. That somehow, even though I'm not ready, even though I just met you, even though the, uh, somehow all of those promises that I'm making would trump preparation. I'll never forget I did marriage counseling, premarital counseling for a couple, that, um, and I had known the guy since high school. And I'm telling you, there had not been six months through our entire life, and from high school all the way through college, six months where he hadn't slept with three or four different people. This is the way he lived his life. I mean, he just constant, and it wasn't even, he didn't even want to change, there was nothing in him, and he, it was, he was cold and calloused, and he met this girl, and she was beautiful, and she was talented, and they met, and they fell in love, whatever that means, and they made commitments to each other that didn't mean anything, and I, I swear, they knew each other for a month, and he'd ask her to marry her. And in her eyes, she had this feeling of, he's going to change for me, and all the people in his life said, it doesn't work that way, sweetie. This guy can't go six months without cheating. And somehow in the month that he met you, the past, all of his past activity is going to just drastically change because he makes a commitment to you. They, they got married and on the honeymoon, he met a girl at a bar. And everybody came home and said, Who's surprised? This is who he is. This is what he does. So commitments didn't mean anything, and the truth is most of us aren't that bad. Most of us, we don't quite go that far as he did, but we we do this. We make commitments that I'm going to change the way I live. I'm going to settle down. You hear this from guys all the time. If you ever hear a guy say, when I get married, I'm going to settle down. You need to back away (laughs) because it just doesn't work that way. Most of us, when we get married, we're convinced that the promises trump the lack of preparation. You know, I, I love looking at the Proverbs and the Psalms, um, and I, I'm going to dig into a couple of them today, and partially because I, I think these are like all-time amazing comments on our life. So today, I, 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 this first one, Kelly, um, from Proverbs, I'm hoping that you can take kind of take a step back and listen to these carefully today. Um, they're very simple, but this first one from Proverbs chapter 14 is amazing. He says this, the simple believe Anything. You know what this means. Simple, simple people are people that are one-track mind. They, they can't think outside of what they're experiencing currently. You know people like this. I, I have a, I've got some friends and family in my life that I won't mention by name because they'd listen to this sermon. Um, that when they drive, they're very simple-minded. They can't think of anything outside of themselves and outside of this one thing. So if you've got cars coming this way, a roundabout is the scariest thing in the world. These roundabouts in Bloomington. To people who are simple-minded drivers, they're the scariest thing in the world because what they're doing is looking at their part of the road, and if a car's coming this way and another car's coming this way and I'm supposed to be on this arrow and not on this arrow, they are a mess and will come to a screeching halt. And the same thing is true about simple the way people live their lives if you're simple. If you're a simple-minded person and you're living your life, what you think is, all I can see is what's in front of me right now. The stuff behind me doesn't matter. The stuff in front of me doesn't matter. So what simple-minded people do when it comes to marriage and relationships is they make commitments out of what they feel right now. I will love you forever. Right now. I I will cherish and till death do we part. But that's very simple for a lot of people. I'm a little bit jaded when it comes to to relationships. I think because I'm, I'm a preacher and everybody brings their relationships to me and they think that I'm good at this stuff. And I actually, if you're a friend of mine, if you're a member of this church, I love you and I want to help you, but I'm not very good at this stuff either. My wife is really good. So any success in our marriage is because she is really smart and I'm just kind of hanging on, you know, but, but the truth is a lot of people come to me and over the years I've just seen so much broken, simple relationship garbage. But I'm kind of jaded and I just, I, what, I, what I'm hoping you hear today, if you're dating someone or if you're, if you're married and you've made these commitments long ago and, and you both know you've broken them, I, I'm, I'm hoping today you opt for something different. Those of you who are married and you're going through the motions and you, you get up in the morning and you, you can't remember if it's Tuesday or Thursday because they look just the same. And your pants lay in the same place on the floor when you take them off, and it drives her nuts, and it's laid there for 40 years. And the, the, the connotation is that somehow you're going to have to pick them up, and that's just the way it goes, and you've just been dealing with it, and you gave up. And those little things that you get in your life, they just keep adding up to the point where now there's distance. The problem is you've turned this complicated, connected life into something that's simple. And Proverbs says, the simple believe anything, in the moment. And this is why all the time I hear when, when somebody's in love, it happens all the time, and it's, it's kind of cute, and sometimes it's kind of annoying. When somebody's in love and they say things like, well, we were destined to be together. You know, there was an open parking space next to his, and I pulled in, and I just knew it was God, you know? And, and they make up these little things, and are you, know, you, you just want to say, yeah, but he, he's nine years older, he doesn't have a job, he's been married three times and he's lied to you about two of the marriages. And then the girl goes, yes, but we have the same initials. It's meant to be! You know, and and the truth is, at that point in time, this is what love does. It makes you simple. It makes you believe anything. The simple believe in anything, but check this out. The prudent, that's a word we don't use very much, so I'm going to explain it. The prudent give thought to their steps Here's what a prudent person is, is the, the way the Bible talks about it. And whether you're in a relationship or not, or maybe you thought this sermon wasn't for you, step back in for a second, because this idea of prudency in your life will change your life no matter what stage, no matter what genre of person you are. This will change your life. The, the psalmist understood, or the Prover, um, Solomon understood, that, that what God expects from you and what you need most in your life is to be able to be prudent. And the prudent person sees that everything in life is connected. That all the things that you are right mo- now, when you sit in that pew, all the things that you are are connected to what you have experienced in the past, are, are what I'm saying right now is a part of what's going what's to happen in the future. And the decisions you've made in the past are impacting your current and your future experiences. A prudent person realizes that everything matters, that every decision, that every question my, right now, my kids are in that stage where they ask questions all the time. You know that? Maybe some of you never grew out of that. But, but your kids go through this, this stage where they just... Everything is a question. Dad, why does that tire not have air in it? Why does it have gas in it instead? And Well, here's why, and then I make up something because I don't know. And then, 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 he, then he's got to go a little deeper. Yeah, but then why do tires need air at all? Why aren't they just solid rubber? And then, oh, well, that's a good idea. So we, we just keep going through these questions and questions and questions. And at some point as an adult, you just want to say, all right, enough with the questions. But the truth is, every question Reese asks me, my response is enormous to him. If I decide I'm going to answer it, or if I decide it's not worth answering, or if I give one of those shut up and leave me alone, I'm mowing the yard, all of those things matter and the prudent person realizes that every decision, every conversation, every moment, every dish that goes unwashed, every date where you wear something just a little lower cut than you should have, every every sentence that you say, every part of your body that you touch before you should. Every single little thing is connected to the next thing and the prudent person understands that if you're a high school student or a college student if you're here today or you're listening online and you think that the things that you're doing right now oh I'll settle down someday you need to know you're simple minded and you need to stop those of you who may be between marriages Those of you who are dating, the decisions you're making, the things you're watching, the porn on the internet, the things you're listening to, the people you're reading, the movies you're watching, all of those little things are affecting your marriage. You can say, well, I'm not even married. You're not married, but God knows who you're marrying. He can see down the road, and he can say, don't watch that. Don't say that. Don't go out with that guy. Don't wear that, because it's affecting your marriage. You go, well, I'm not married. The prudent people prudent person realizes, I may not be married right now, but what I'm doing and the things that I'm choosing are affecting my marriage already. Those of you who are married right now and you're mailing it in, you know what I mean? The mail is getting even more mundane than it's ever been. But you know what it means to mail it in, right? That means you don't care enough to actually be active. You're going to lay down and just let life happen to you. Just let your junky marriage continue. Just pretend that this is the way it's supposed to be from the beginning. Ignore all the things around you. Ignore the fact that your grandkids adore you and that they are developing their understanding of what marriage is based on watching you. And you're going to sit and be lazy with the way you treat your relationship? It's simple minded. Stop it. Solomon says, be prudent. That is, understand everything is connected and every decision. Every moment matters. And they give thought to their steps. See, if you get it, if you really understand that everything you do right now, that the way you talk to your kids, those of you who dropped your kids off this morning, they are going to be high on sugar and they're going to be a pain to deal with. That's our gift to you today. you're going to have to deal with some things with them all the time. But when you walk out of here, the very first thing you say to your kids when they see you matters. If you don't think it does, you're being simple. When, she, when, when, when you're at home and she comes home from work after a hard day, the very first thing you say to her changes everything in your marriage from there on out. And if you understand that, if you really do get that, some of you will leave here today and you'll think, oh, that was interesting. And some of you will go, wow, what if that's true? If you really do believe it and you really do understand it, you won't think about the future the same. You won't think about preaching. You won't think about sermons. You won't think about work the next day. You won't think about the next honeymoon, the next February 14th, the next birthday. You won't think about those things the same because you will want to make plans for every moment to happen. This, when every, any given Saturday in America, people stand up and they say, from this day forward, most of them don't mean it. And this is the reason. Because they're so blinded by the moment that they forgot to give thought to their steps. And here's just the truth. It was the truth for my friend who had been in... In a different bed every two weeks for every six months of every time I known him when he got married, the truth is you can believe what you want to believe about something, somebody, but the paths people choose trump the commitments they make every time. This is why junior hires when you've been caught lying over and over and over and over and over and over and over over again, and you go to high school and all the rest of your friends get to stay out till two a.m. on a Friday night. Saturday morning, get to stay out till midnight. Your parents make you come in at 10. Say, but dad, all of my friends, I don't care. Yeah, but dad, it's not fair. You know know what is fair? That life is connected. And all of those little lies you told that you thought we didn't know about, all of those little things that you said that you thought weren't important at the time, they're all connected to this moment. And you want to know why you can't stay out till 2 a.m.? Because I don't trust you. And you've earned it so be careful. The paths people choose trump the commitments they make. Now, I give men a really hard time, usually, because I are one, and I know what we're thinking, but to be honest with you, in my experience, this is one of those places where men maybe rise up a little bit, where they refuse to say things at times. They refuse to make commitments at times, where they refuse to say things that they're inside in there somewhere, they just realize this is not going to happen. And usually, it's the, the woman that eventually gets, convinces them, I have a friend, really good friend, and they're still married today, and they're a great couple, but this, this friend one day, he, he, this is how he engaged, er, um, asked his wife to marry him, she was sitting on the couch, he was sitting in a chair, and he threw her her wedding ring at a commercial during Survivor and her engagement ring, and he said, here, you win. Boy, that's a good start, isn't it? Yeah, that's classy, isn't it? Here, you win. They tell this story all the time. Ha- what a beautiful story for an engagement. Here, you win. There's this thought that I'm not going to make a commitment until I'm, I'm ready. The paths that people choose trump the commitments they make. So stop making Promises. Don't leave this place today and make a bunch of promises that you know you haven't kept in the past and you're not going to keep now. Junior high kid that's been lying and now can't get uh, out as late as he wants to on a Friday night, you know how you change that? You don't promise your mom and dad that you'll start telling the truth. You just stinking tell the truth. And at some point, the steps that you take will earn back trust. Guys, you're tired of living a marriage where you know she's mad all the time. Stop making promises on a Friday night after work. I'll never say that again. I'll never be mad like that. I'll never do that when I'm angry. I'll never throw a plate through a drywall again. I'll never, I'll never. Shut up and just make a change. Now, you know that I don't like to preach like that without giving you some real practical things. So this is where you might tune out, and this is where some of you might tune in real carefully. But I'm going to go through some real practical things, some ways to, to stop promising and start stepping up. One of the ways is to stop settling for things in your life. Stop settling that is just another one of those tense moments. Stop just, uh, men and women, you, when, you, when you get married, you go longer and longer and longer in, in your marriage, and you kind of, it's easier just to go, well, it's another one of those awkward moments. It'll pass. Stop settling for those. Don't promise her that things are going to be different. In that moment when it's awkward, break the silence. Do something different. Stop settling. Now, here's a real specific one, and I am... I'm so adamant about this, I could preach a whole sermon on it, but I've already preached a half of one, so I won't. Deal with your childhood junk. Do you know, this is is absolutely all over science right now, all over behavioral uh, writing, everywhere... That the stuff that you deal with when you're a child creeps into your life. See, this is again about Solomon saying our lives are connected. The things that happened to you when you were a child, the little arguments you got in with your family, that tension between you and your mom, that no communication at all with your dad. You say, well, I don't have any awkwardness in my family. I send my mom a Mother's Day card every year and we don't talk otherwise. If you have a living mom and dad and you don't speak to them regularly, duh, you got a problem. Well, I got quiet. If you've got mommy and daddy issues in your life, and who doesn't? In fact, if you're a parent, you're creating them right now. If you've got mom and dad issues in your life, guess who gets in the middle of them? Every time. It's your spouse. So if you're dating right now, and you're going, what do you, what do you mean by preparing? What I mean is, go get this stuff worked out now. So when you are ready... engage in in a lifetime with somebody, you can say I have dealt with this, I'm still dealing with this, it's between my mom and I I'm not going to let this get in the way of us, I've seen this happen so many times usually if this happens and you get deep into a marriage the couple has to spend a lot of money and spend a lot of time going to a counselor and drudging this stuff up and it finally, after two, three thousand dollars worth of counseling and a lot of time, finally the, the guy will go oh, I'm mad at my mom. And then the wife goes, yeah, I've been saying that for 30 years. You're treating me like junk because you're mad at your mom. And then all of a sudden their marriage changes. I'm saying right now, get to this. Deal with this stuff. I've got a whole list of people who can help you with this. Some of them free. Don't go another day without this conversation. Become aware of your climate. I preached a sermon not too long ago that changed my life. I don't know what it did for yours. But it was a couple years ago um, where, uh, where we talked about climate and the, the kind of the cloud or the, the environment that you bring wherever you go. And one of the questions we asked during that series was, go to, your parent, go to your, all the people you spend a lot of time with, your spouse, your kids, and ask this question. Anybody you work with, what is it like to be on the other side of me? What's it like to live with me? And the first question is always, oh, your sunshine on a cloudy day. Oh, you're wonderful. And you go, no, 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 I'm not. Because <laughs> we all have bad moments. Tell me what it's like when I did this with my wife and my kids and my uh, employees at work. I did this to all three during that sermon series just because I asked you to and I have to, too. And I did it. And I was expecting my wife to say, well, you know, there's a couple little things that are annoying. And finally, I pushed her pretty hard and she goes, yeah, dude, I don't, I don't know when you come home which John I'm going to have. What? Yeah, when you pull in the driveway, you come in the kitchen, and I don't know if you're going to be in a bad mood, and it's going to be a hard evening, or you're going to be funny, John, and it's going to be a great evening. And I can usually tell in the first few minutes, but I don't know which it's going to be. And sometimes I pray on the way home that you'll be the good John. This is my wife. So I thought, well, maybe maybe she's just mad at me about something. So I asked my daughter, London, hey, what's it like for daddy when you come home? Well, it kind of depends on if you've had a good day or not. What? My daughter? So I thought, well, maybe I'm just that way at home, and I went to work, and I talked to my employees, and they're like, yeah, some days I want to take the day off when I come in and I see that look on your face. Oh, I've got a climate that I didn't mean to have. This can change a marriage. This alone can change a marriage. This is what it means to be self-aware. Have you ever heard that term, self-aware? This is what it means when you see somebody that's talking really loud in a movie theater on their cell phone, and you go, isn't that a person an idiot? They don't know that they're loud and everybody else can hear their conversation. They're not self-aware. The truth is, most of us do that exact same thing with our mo- life. We walk into an environment, we completely change the environment, we're treating the people around us as like, like dirt, and we don't even know it because we've lived with it so long. Find out. Maybe that's the question you need to ask your spouse on the way home today. What's it like to be on the other side of me? What's it like to live with me? Then learn to fight fair. Northpoint.org slash fight club. This is a free website. You need to go to it. If If you're in a fight with your spouse regularly, even if you're not, go out to this website. Unbelievable free resources for how to argue right, how to argue fair. And then finally, add to your piece. Check out this slide. Proverbs chapter 3, I'm almost done. I love this piece of scripture. Solomon says, my son, do not forget my teaching. Now, when Solomon said my son, he actually has sons. He has a lot of sons, um, and he could have been speaking directly to them, but his, his real language here is more like, those of you who come later in life, those of you who are younger, those of you who haven't yet made the mistakes I've made, listen to this. Let your heart keep my words. For they will add to you, now listen to this, just wake up for a minute. They will add to you many days and years of life and peace. Do you want that? you know how many people in this room right now, and I haven't said this for the last three weeks, but this is my last chance in this series. How many couples in this room right now have zero peace in their life? They think nobody sees it? They think that it's not affecting anybody else. Solomon says, it's available. If you keep these words, you can have a different kind of peace. And he says this, and just very, very simple, and this is practical as it gets, and this is the way I'm going to end this series today. For they will add to you many days and years of your life in peace. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Tie them around your neck. Write them on your heart. I want to dig into those two words real quick and then I'm done. Next slide. So these, these, are, these are two, maybe three different things... That Solomon says, out of all that, and, and if, you're, if you're a church person, you know that Solomon, we consider Solomon to be the, the smartest man that ever lived. And, and history shows that p- kings would come from other countries just to get his advice on, on issues of legislation and other things. Because he was so wise, and he was so smart, he could really reduce things down and really understand them. And here's what he says. He says, if, you, if I could give you any piece of advice, it would be this. Keep truth and kindness close to you. If today you're listening to this sermon and you go, I really want that peace for my marriage and I really do love this person and I really do want to do better, then here are two practical things you can do. One, guard the truth. I'll say it again because the, the truth is most relationships are lies. Guard the truth at all costs. Honey, Did you have a conversation with the woman at work? Because I heard that. Well, I don't even know her. I don't even know which one you're talking about. Yeah, I did have a conversation. It was inappropriate. I I got a little too close. And I don't want to do it again. You see the difference? See, she already knows. She already knows you had the conversation. It's your response that matters now. See, truth, Solomon wraps up in this word, truth is about loyalty. The question is, do you love me enough to be truthful? Risha told me, what's it like to be on the other side of you? After some prodding. Well, I'll be truthful. You're moody. Man. I'll never forget when we first got married, I had all this baggage from the divorce and from bad relationships and... We were riding mountain bikes one time, which I did just because I loved her. I had no no mountain bike experience and don't ever want to ride another one. But I rode with her a lot because she was into it. And we were riding a mountain bike, and she said, so how many girls have you had sex with in your life? And what I hated about that moment is that I had a decision to make. Do I tell the truth or don't I? Man. I hate that I had a decision to make. I made the right decision. It's a decision Risha doesn't even have to make. She tells the truth sometimes at all costs. And she told me the truth, and we had a great conversation. And in that moment, I realized I don't have to make a decision as to whether or not I tell the truth. Some of you are married. You're making this decision all the time. Do I tell her or don't I? Do I say it or don't I say it? This is taking more energy in your marriage than anything else is whether or not you decide if this person is worth telling the truth to. Maybe you haven't thought of it that way. Solomon says when you see the other person as worth telling the truth to, at all costs, it will lead you to the life of peace that you want kindness is the second thing and kindness is is just flat out how you treat people so what what we have this happening all the time somebody come and say what do you think of this guy we have i don't know why we have so many hurting girls in that have come through our life that men have treated them so bad and Rish is so good with them that they connect and they sit on our couch and they say i just met a new guy and and here here this is who he is and this is what he looks like see the picture And i'm like isn't that the old guy he looks like the old guy. Well, yeah, and he, he well yeah, but and and doesn't he have the same job? Yeah, he has the same job. And didn't you meet him in a bar just like you met the Yeah, and didn't and, but he's different. He is. Well, how does he treat you? Well, he kind of makes fun of me. It's kind of funny sometimes because, you know, I'm ridiculous. So when we get together, he makes fun of me a lot. And, but you know what? It's in a neat way, and it's kind of like he's demeaning, but it's in a good way, you know? And, and like, just oh, you mean just like the last guy that ended up making fun of you all the time and that totally destroyed your self-esteem, just like that guy? Yeah. Yeah, kind of. The truth is, if you're dating somebody who isn't kind, this is terrible to say as a preacher, but it probably ain't going to change. Kindness is a choice. It's not a, well, his dad wasn't, and well, he's just not a very talkative person, and well, he's just not. No, no, no. Kindness, 100% of the time, no matter how grumpy his dad was, no matter how awful her mom was, no matter what situation, kindness is always a choice. And if you want peace in your marriage, start here. You know what kindness is at its heart? It's looking at another person, And caring more about understanding them than about being understood. That's really what it is. So it sounds a lot like this She walks in the kitchen and goes, Oh, those dishes. And you go, Well, you're probably going to blame me for it. Instead of, Well, you know what? She does always do the dishes. And those have had chunks of SpaghettiOs sitting on them for two days. And you go, You know what? I'll do the stinking dishes. Because, not because I went, well, I'm the, and what about, it's this kindness is going, I care more about understanding you. This is, arguments would change forever. If in the middle of the argument you can go, now, I'm sorry, I don't understand what you're saying. Risha does this to me all the time, and it used to be weird to me, and now it's just part of our conversation, and now I'm starting to do it back. She leads in this way. We'll be in an argument, which we don't get into loud arguments very often. We get in an argument, she'll go, wait a minute, you're really loud and very angry, and I don't know why. What are you feeling? Like, what is that? Because this, this is about like what television show we're watching. And you're like getting mad like somebody died. So what are you feeling? What is that? Instead of going, hey, you're a gross idiot and you're messed up and start blaming you for things because she's feeling something. Now she's going, what are you feeling? And all of a sudden I go, you know what? I think what I'm feeling is I'm just thinking tired. And then all of a sudden we go, okay, well then let's not talk about the television show. And it's gone. And it's kindness. So... The moral of the story today, do you want to change your marriage? Shut up and do the dishes. You want peace in your relationship? Stop making promises. Shut the door on commitments. And change your path. I've got friends in my life, usually they're men and people label them as commitment phobes. You know that word, commitment phobes? The guy that won't commit and won't ever. He just wants to date and he won't commit. The truth is, I kind of like that guy, and I'm, I'm kind of liking the name commitment phobe. Maybe it's not always true, but in the long run, a commitment phobe is usually somebody who goes, I don't want to commit because I'm not sure if I can actually do what I'm saying. It's called honesty. And this is, you got to try it. So today, band, you guys can come up. That'll get me moving. Stop making promises and start making changes. Normally, when you come home from a a sermon series about marriage, you come home with these things I'm going to say to my wife. I'm going to promise her that I'll never do this again. I'm going to start picking up this. I'm going to stop. Don't talk about it. Just do it. Prepare to commit. Those of you that are dating right now, you can be in preparation time right now. Prepare to get yourself ready. To commit differently. Not just making empty promises, but to actually move somebody forward with the way you treat them and the way you live for them. If you're dating today, this is specifically for those of you who are dating. Man, I'm going to sound like a dad for a minute, so just be, bear with me. But I get, I get this a lot, and I've got to stand up for men for a second. Because there's a lot of jerks out there. No question. But you know the phrase I hear all the time? From, from women all over this church and all over the web, all over Facebook, all, all my friends is this. <sighs> Are there any good men? Are they, all, all men do this. All men feel this way. All men, and then they're usually the women that go out in something really, really not good, <laughs> some wearing something really bad. And what I always say back, and Risha usually says something, to interrupt it, because it usually brings the conversation to a screeching halt, but they say, Why do all men treat me like a jerk? Why do all men just want to sleep with me? And and I say this, and it makes makes them mad, but it just comes out of me. I say, it's not all men, it's just the men you date. It's just the men that you pick up wearing that that treat you that way. You know, my whole family fishes. (laughs) And you know how they decide what bait to use? By what kind of fish they're trying to catch. So when you're getting ready for your date, <laughs> men, women, whoever it is, wherever you're fishing, whatever you're fishing with, that's what you're going to catch. You understand that? Those of you who are dating, those of you who are married now, and, you go, and, and or maybe you're in the middle of a divorce, you go, well, I've got to go find another guy and go back to that same bar. There's only three guys left sitting on the stools. I've got to pick one of those. You need to change the way you fish. If you want somebody who treats you well, start treating people differently. And then today, I guess as I end this series, the one thing I would say is please don't settle for a junky marriage. Especially if you're a Christian today. Jesus came and when he came there were people settling all over the place. People who had followed God for a long time, people who were following Jesus were settling for life like, eh, you know? And they, you know, when Jesus came, he said, I came to bring freedom. Freedom from religion. And all these religious people would go, Yay, Jesus came to bring freedom. Let's follow him. And they'd come over here and then they would sacrifice an animal. And Jesus would go, No, no, no. No, that's, that's over. You guys, you, you, you're not living free. You accepted the freedom and then you're living with chains on. And the truth is, marriage is in this place, right here. You're listening to me, and you have decided that marriage is just chains. In fact, some of you call it that, the old ball and chain. That makes me nervous just saying because my wife might have heard it. Terrible thing to say. Because the, the, the truth is, if, if you're living that way, it's not her fault. It's not his fault. Your choice. Your responsibility Today. This is sort of the message, the way every message here at New Life ends. Did you know New Life is available? That's why why I love the name of this church. New Life. New Marriage. New Dating Relationship. New Way That Men Treat You. New Way Of Looking At People. All of that is available to you today. Do not accept life different. This is a moment just for you, just between you and God. I'm going to go back to that corner. I'd love to pray with you if, you, if I can help in any way. Just between you and God, make that commitment today. Not that promise. Not, not just a promise, not just an empty promise, but this. what physical things can I do? Maybe you need to come see me and you need to deal with the mommy issues, the daddy issues. You need to deal with the childhood stuff. i got a whole list of people who can help you, some of them free. Maybe today you just go, I just need some practical thoughts, some practical ideas. I can introduce you to people who have been there, done it, and got the t-shirt. <laughs> And can help you. I'm going to shut up and let God do his thing. I'll be right back there in that corner. Would you stand up?